Ben plus Baby Yoda. I'm gonna go ahead and stop that theme right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, what a what a monster I created. Uh, this is the spinoff of my regular podcast, Disney Plus Plus Ben Plus Friends. I promise some regular episodes of the show are coming soon. But in the meantime, we're going to continue going through The Mandalorian one episode, one week at a time. I'm really excited. We are about halfway through this first season and then uh, you know that that means that season two is just around the corner and i just can't wait for new episodes of this amazing show so today we are talking about the episode sanctuary so this is chapter four this was directed by bryce dallas howard who is the daughter of of ron howard so uh an interesting fact that we've got like you know familial uh connection as far as people who have directed star wars entries it has the you know Ended up directing Solo, ended up getting credit for directing Solo after he came in uh, to replace Lord and Miller, which is a whole nother rant on a whole nother episode. <laughs> this episode was also written by Jon Favreau and was released on 11-29-19. So just over a year ago, as is the case with all of these. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about Chapter 4, Sanctuary. So this episode comes after, I think you could kind of argue that the first three episodes of this really do play like a movie. It is very much set up in a kind of three-act structure. You have the introduction of the characters. We have the introduction of the conflict and the potential of, you know, of their relationship and all of that. We end up with sort of like this false breakup kind of moment where Mando ends up giving away LBY and uh, and then the redemption that comes afterwards when he goes back for him. And so so now we are finally seeing, okay, these two are bonded, which we will talk about. This is absolutely a duo now. Now what? And this title, Sanctuary, I think carries a lot of weight. And so I want to start talking about the theme of this episode, which is the illusion of safety. This episode is entirely about the illusion of safety, feeling like you're safe, feeling like you are in a position of power and and what that is like, and uh, also forcing people to recognize the inversion of that, which is a, a reality of, of uh, being unstable and unsafe. So this episode has us landing on the planet of Sorgan. And we see right from the cold open that there are these villagers on Sorgan who are being just attacked and assaulted and robbed and, and murdered by these Clatoonian uh, marauders. And we, you know, cut to the cockpit of the Razor Crest and we see one of my favorite moments of the entire series 
little baby Yoda, the child, is is once again messing with gears and buttons and causing the spaceship to experience turbulence. And Mando reaches over and picks him up and puts him in his lap. And it's just this sweet moment. And it shows that he is now thinking of the child as his own. I mean, at the very least, he's viewing him like a little brother or a nephew. And, you know, at its most, he's probably starting to kind of think of him like a son. And it's a very sweet moment. It's the first time where we really, truly see that Mando has accepted him into his tribe. They are now a tribe of two. And I I really like what happens here is that this episode is about seeking safety. It's about seeking sanctuary. And so they come to this backwoods planet that's in the middle of nowhere. They assume they're going to be safe. We get introduced to the incredible Cara Dune, who we'll talk about in a minute. And, And then they are approached by these farmers... Uh, to say, hey, can you come help keep us safe? Can you? And so they do. And what they experience here is these Clatoonian marauders, they are experiencing on their own an illusion of safety because they have this ATST, this uh, scout, the all terrain scout uh, tank. What is the second T for? All terrain scout transport. It's transport. I'm almost positive. All terrain scout transport. I should look that up on Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> anyway, a- the ATST, which we will visit very much, is, is a very cool item. But it is causing them to have this illusion of safety, to feel bulletproof. And the thing about the illusion of safety is that you're only safe until somebody violates that illusion. You feel safe at your house because your doors and your windows are locked. But if somebody comes with a battering ram and knocks your door down, then you were never safe to begin with. But you feel safe. And... This episode is going to really introduce the heartbreaking fact that any time that Mando and LBY experience the feeling of safety, it will be an illusion. They cannot be safe because they are both wanted by every bounty hunter in the galaxy and by forces even larger than that, as we will learn as we meet Moff Gideon and whatnot. So... This is absolutely the theme of this episode. It's these people who are seeking safety end up on this planet, and they are approached by these villagers who also need safety, and they end up engaging with these enemies who are benefiting from the illusion of safety, and then end up actually creating a new situation where there is a power inversion, and the villagers feel safe. And then at the very end of the episode... One last reminder, one just a little, you know, if, if you hadn't figured out yet that the episode was about the illusion of safety, there is this scene that is really putting, you know, almost kind of putting a hat on a hat, to be frank. It, it, it's a compelling scene, but it is very much slapping you in the face. Like, the theme of this episode is the illusion of safety. As we see, in one of my favorite moments in the entire series, we see the child playing with these kids. He's so happy. And uh, Omera, who's this widow who has kind of fallen for Mando, and I think the feelings are pretty mutual. She's about to take off his helmet, and yeah, the you know suggestion is they're going to get freaky. Uh, LBY's eating a frog. He's putting a frog in his mouth. Everything's great. And there is this bounty hunter in the woods who has the child in his scope. And if it's not for Cara Dune sneaking up behind and taking out that bounty hunter, then the child would get dusted right there and that would be the saddest most horrible twist like forget the red wedding (laughs) like can you imagine if this episode ended with the child getting blasted i oh my gosh would be horrible i don't even really want to think about it i love him so much so again that is what this episode is about it's about the illusion of safety and there are some other elements as well but you can tell that that's really a through line 
in every possible way. And uh, yeah. Oh, my intern Iris has just entered the studio. Iris, do you want to say anything to the people? Into the microphone? What do you want to say? Hi. Hi. We're talking about Star Wars. Who's your favorite Star Wars character? Leia. Leia's your favorite character? Mm -hmm. What do you like about Leia? Um, she has a gun. You like that she has a gun? Uh -huh. Yeah, she's pretty tough. I love Leia too. She's kind of my hero. <laughs> can I tell them? You can tell them something else too. Oh, yeah. Who did you go as Halloween for last year? Who are you Princess for Halloween? Leia. That's right. You're a Princess Leia ballerina. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, our intern Iris, for swinging by the studio. <laughs> that was unexpected. Uh, thank you very much. So there you go. You have it. Leia is the coolest character because she has a gun. I am, I'm raising her right. Right? <laughs> okay. So uh, <laughs> back onto the Mandalorian. I do want to talk about Cara Dune, who is this incredible element who gets added to the story here if we're discussing, you know, our favorite parts. Uh, I think this scene, you know, where they fight is very cool. It reminds me a little bit of there's a scene in They Live um, where uh, there there is a fight between – Roddy Piper and uh, and Keith David uh, out out in this alleyway, and it does remind me a little bit of that scene. It's one of my favorite fight scenes of all time, and uh, it, it's, it's a little bit of an homage to that, I think. And uh, they end up, you know, as happens with tough people, they they're like, "Oh, I respect how strong you are." And then Kara and Mando become friends, and I do love this scene where Kara Dune is talking to Mando about, I guess, is a Kara. I, get, I feel like it's like kind of a Han hand situation where some actors say it one way and some say the other. I think it's Kara Dune, probably, right? So Kara is talking to Mando about her time as an Imperial and specifically that, you know, on Endor and she was sent him to kind of clean up when she talks about the politics and the power vacuum that arose. And I think this is awesome and I think it's super important because it really reminds us when this takes place in Star Wars canon. It also gives us a little glimpse as to how the First Order rose to power. And I think that this is a, a, an era of Star Wars that is just absolutely ripe for some cool novels, maybe some video games, more TV and stuff. Because the idea of what happens when there's this power vacuum after something as big as the Empire falling, what what happens and who arises? And, you know, we see these warlords like Moff Gideon. And I again, I think this is really ripe for, man, I, my, my dream would be like sort of like that Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic RPG that, uh, that Bioware put out, you know, gosh, a, a decade ago now because I'm old. But a, a, a game like that set in this time period, I think would just be absolutely incredible. So I also, some of my favorite parts of this, you know, in general, I just love that the ATST is shot like a monster. It's shot like Godzilla. It seems like a being. We don't see who's piloting it. It kind of groans. It has these red eyes, like a dragon or something like that. The way it just tears through the forest. I mean, like it does have this very like Godzilla energy to it it feels like a kaiju and i love that decision i think bryce dallas howard nailed it when it comes to that i also love the militia montage where they're kind of like uh i'll make a man out of you <laughs> and like training all the villagers to hold guns and stuff i do also think in general that this is a very cool idea for star wars is yes there are laser blasters and spaceships that can go faster than light but it reminds you that that kind of stuff is expensive. And so it, it, I love the idea of like, yeah, these people are villagers 
who live in a way that, you know, in in the modern world, we would call us like living in a third world country, but they do have bla- laser blasters because those those exist, you know, and, and I do like this idea that like, you know, maybe someone can be. Well, it reminds me a lot of like on Tatooine, you know, that like Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru, they're, they're they have this moisture farm and they're farmers. They're very working class, a little bit poor. They can afford some droids, some secondhand droids from Jawas. But I do love it when Star Wars does this and kind of looks at economy and 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 social class and, and things like that. And it's, it's a really great example of that from a world building perspective. So, you know, and then obviously the, the, the very cool thing about this episode is this big standoff where you have the villagers taking on the Klaatunian marauders. Um, you know, it all starts with this very cool scene where Mando and Kara kind of break in. They set up some like remote detonator, thermal detonators, and they they fight with these Klaatunian marauders. By my count, the body count goes up. Uh, I think there's six of them in there that probably were assumed all get blown up by the detonator. And then I think Mando takes out about five more of this blaster. So I, in my by my count, he kills about eleven Klaatunians in this episode, raising his body count. To 59 bodies through four episodes, uh, it, really br- driving home the effect that we do have a morally gray protagonist here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this battle scene's very cool. I think maybe it's a little bit cheesy that you're like, oh, we have to get the thing to take a step forward into the water. I kind of wish instead that would have been their their plan was we're going to get it to go in the water. And then the pilot goes like, oh, I'm not going to crash this thing into the water. That would be stupid. So then they have to come up with another way. I, th- I feel like a, a better ending is something along the lines of they, oh, we can't, he won't step in the water. In fact, actually, he's stepping away. What can we do? Oh, well, while Kara's down there, Mando and two or three of the villagers are going to like wrap him up in a rope and make him fall over like the AT-80s on Hoth or something like that. I don't know. I just think there's a stronger version of this for the ending. But then then again, uh, I already referenced this, but I do think that that scene at the end where LBY is playing with the kids and everything's just so happy and, you know, there's rainbows and sunshine and puppies. And then we get this just point of view shot through this, you know, through the barrel of a gun just aimed it at the child. And then the gunshot. And I mean, the way that Mando jumps as a parent, I can just so relate to it. I mean, these birds fly and Mando just goes, oh, you know, and it, it's very relatable. I mean, like you hear your kid fall off the couch and you're just like, ah, it, are all your teeth still there? You know, how, how bruised are you? And uh, it, it, it's really a traumatic moment. And then seeing how sad the child is at the end as they're driving away, recognizing that he has to leave his friends. And, you know, I don't, he's 50 years old. We don't know exactly how, you know, cognizant he is and how aware he is of his surroundings, but he, he is at least able to process for sure. Oh, I have to leave my friends. This is sad. And they've been here for several weeks and, you know, this is starting to find, finally feel like home and normalcy to him. So pretty heartbreaking ending there. Really, again, uh, you know, I already talked about theme, but driving home that theme that, that, you know, of the illusion of safety. All right, let's talk about best quotes. I can get you more credits. I can bring you in warm. Or I can bring you in cold. So this episode is, there's a lot of action in this. There's a lot more like moments that I really like than quotes, but there are some really great ones. I think very early on when Dan has the child in his lap and he says, um, you ready to lay low and stretch your legs for a couple of months, you little womp rat? I just think it's so cute and sweet. I love that he's calling him a womp rat. And, you know, it's a nice nod to 
Star Wars jargon, jargon that we've already heard before, and 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 just that he's kind of given him a pet name. It's very sweet. Uh, I I love. There's just this. I don't even think the line's that great, but the, there's this line read from the. I thought the server, it who ends up bringing the bone broth, it, it uh, just has some killer delivery. Very quirky, weird character. Feels almost out of place in Star Wars in the best way possible. Uh, has this line: "Can I interest you in a porringer of broth as well?" Which I love because porringer sounds like a Star Wars word, and it's not. It's just a word for like a shallow bowl. I actually had to look that up because I was like, is that a Star Wars word or a real word? But can I interest you in a porringer of broth as well? And then I think my favorite quote of the whole episode and actually like one of my favorite quotes of the whole series is this dialogue between Cara Dune and Mando at the end of the episode. And Cara says, what happens if they if what happens if you take that thing off? They come after you and kill you. And then Mando pauses and he says, no, you just can't ever put it back on again. And I love that moment because I think it really tells the difference between these two characters. You know, Kara was able to completely redefine herself. She left the Empire. She's she's a, a new person, a new thing, and has really reinvented herself. Whereas Mando's whole existence is tied up in his identity as a Mandalorian. This is the way. This is his creed. It drives him towards everything. In fact, it really drives home the fact that you know, he he overrided the order of operations and, and ignored the creed of the bounty hunter and disobeyed the orders by choosing to keep the child safe. And in that made it just abundantly clear that he is a Mandalorian above all else. He's a Mandalorian well before he's a bounty hunter. And I, I love that, that little series of dialogue there between the two of them because it tells you who is who. I love that. All right, let's wrap things up with winners and losers. I see your point, sir. I suggest a new strategy, R2. Let the Wookiee win. So the winners here, I mean, obviously these villagers on Sorgan are the winners big time. Omera and Winta and all of them are definitely the winners because Mando and Kara came in and saved the day. I'm also going to add Cara Dune as a winner, partially because... This is an exceptionally cool introduction of a character. I think that Cara Dune is a really awesome female character that is a type we don't see very often, which is that she is very um, tough, but we don't ever have to have male characters come out and say she's tough. We just see that she's tough, and she proves for herself that she's tough. And there's never this moment where, like, Mando has to vouch for her or something like that. In fact, we see that she's Mando's equal from a physical perspective. And I, I just think she's an awesome character. She's cool, and it's a great introduction. Losers? I mean, I'm going to say big time. Loser is the pilot of that ATST who is, like, recognizes that he can't walk forward into that water. And is it is like, I'm not going to walk into the water. I'm not going to walk into the water. And then does. It, it's... My guy, you're a real loser this time. <laughs> um, it, it, there's just no other way around it. Uh, yeah, and then I, I think a little bit, um, you know, I think that that the child is a little bit, unfortunately, of a loser here in the sense that, uh, you know, he, he really had gained something. He had gained friends for the first time in his life, and he had to say goodbye to them. And the way that this galaxy works, there's not really any reason to think that he's going to stay in touch with these kids. That That's really sad. And uh, then I also think that... Uh, 
Mando, Mando and Omera both kind of lose just a little bit in the sense that it's kind of a missed connection. I think these two in another another time and place would have really hit it off. They seem sweet to each other, and uh, they, they, they both could have probably used a little bit of... I don't know. I kinda, They were there several weeks. I kind of think maybe he left the mask on and, uh, you know, took the other stuff off, if you catch my very subtle drift. <laughs> All right, so that is the episode of... Ben plus Disney. What is it called? What's the show called? Disney plus plus Ben plus little baby Yoda. We will be back on Friday with chapter five. The gunslinger. Go to Tatooine. It's going to be great. Okay. Bye. Ooh.